0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today.
1: All of you rallied around this country to try to make sure our president, who at the time was hesitant, would finally realize that this was not just a politically viable thing, but it was the right thing to do. That's right. And after we got the president to sign the executive order canceling student debt, bringing hope and promise to millions of people who have been begging, marching, what did the Republicans do? What they always do is snatch hope from the American people. And so now they want this radicalized extremist Supreme Court to take away the hope that the President of the United States has given those of us who have been rallying for this cause.
0: What cause, Representative Ilhan Omar, are you rallying for? Standing there in front of the Supreme Court, rallying for the idea that people shouldn't have to pay their debt. This is your rallying cry? Now, does that include the Jewish students as well? No? Too soon? Too soon? Okay, fine. Too soon. Tony Katz! Tony Katz today, what's going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY, that's the number. 833-468-8669. You have got these members of Congress... We're talking about uh, the House and the Senate. Oh, they're all out there because the Supreme Court is hearing a case about student loan debt. And, of course, they're saying you should cancel student loan debt. Why? Well, why should my constituents have to pay back, well, anything they borrowed? Money should be free. And Ilhan Omar wants you to know they're not going to stop regardless of what happens today
1: we are not going to stop we are not going to rest until every single person who has student debt is freed from that and is able to have opportunity in this country so thank you so much for being here thank you for being in this fight it is an
0: honor to stand alongside you all What fight congresswoman They took the loan. No one put a gun to their head, although admittedly, I will agree that many people lied to them. Oh, you got to have a college degree. Oh, you're going to need a college degree. Dear Lord, without a gender studies degree, you ain't nothing in society, kid. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's funny because people majored in gender studies thinking they'd have a job. (laughs) Oh, it's comedy. Look what you did to these people, Congresswoman. You, you gave them all sorts of promises. You told them everything would be fine if they just did this and just did that. And then everything wasn't fine. You're like, well, we just got to make it up to them. And that's how you got to the idea of canceling student debt. People shouldn't have to live up to their responsibilities. This is the mathematics, the theory, the philosophy of Representative Ilhan Omar. But then again, there are also uh, the theories of Representative Cory Bush.
1: Communities, and so we. Communities, and so we speak up and we say enough is enough, and not today. So let me ask you, and I, I need to hear your response: Are the profits of a student loan servicer more important than the people's
2: lives? Oh.
0: That's the wrong argument. Are the profits of a student loan servicer more important than people's lives is the kind of immature, incohate arguments that you would expect from somebody like Representative Cory Bush, who told America, uh, hands up, don't shoot, regarding Michael Brown in the Ferguson shooting years ago in the St. Louis area when it never happened. She lies for a living. She lied her way to Congress. Man, that's a good grift. This is not the argument. Nobody is phrasing the argument this way. Are profits of a student loan service are more important than people's lives? Nobody is phrasing it this way. Why is it okay to tell people who made a deal they no longer have to live with their deal? Why is that now okay? Why are we allowing this idea? That we should allow these people to not live up to their responsibility. What are we teaching people when we take that away from them? What we're teaching them is that don't you worry, we'll take care of you. Don't you worry, mama government's got you covered. Don't you worry, daddy federal government is going to take care of everything. This is some twisted stuff. Super, super twisted. And you can't have super twisted without Elizabeth Warren.
3: And we are here today, and let me be very clear about this, we are here today because President Biden has the legal authority to cancel student loan debt.
0: Now, we don't know if that's actually true. Because if he can cancel student loan debt... The student loan is not a a debt anymore, it's a program. It is a spending program. And if it's spending, that has to originate in a place called the House of Representatives. I only know this because I read the Constitution. And so uh, I know you would think the senator may have known this. So the president engaging on his own a spending program doesn't seem to fit within uh, the second article uh, in terms of the, what the executive branch can do, nor the first article where it discusses uh, that the power of the purse belongs uh, to the legislative branch. Therefore, What in the world is Elizabeth Warren talking about?
3: In fact, let me say that one more time and make them hear it inside. President Biden has the legal authority to cancel student loan debt.
0: She said it twice. It must be serious.
3: Now, you know how I know that? Well, I know it partly because I've actually read the HEROES Act that authorizes the president to take this action. Law. But I also know it because it is exactly what Donald Trump did. He canceled billions of dollars of interest payments that were coming due. He canceled them oh, for poor people and for middle class people, but most definitely for rich people. And not one Republican, not one raised an objection.
0: I honestly don't know what she's referring to. Not 100% sure she does. But let's go back to, to, the, to the basics, if we could. Someone took a student loan and then engaged in a study in a subject to which you and I had absolutely no say. And now these people are telling us that we have to pay for those degrees that might not provide us any value at all in any way, shape, or form. Degrees that are actually worthless. Let me state clearly that I do not see the value in a gender studies degree. Now, I am not you. If you see the value in a gender studies degree, well then go out there and get a gender studies degree. I mean, uh, to each their own. And when when I once brought this up, On air, I had had a bunch of people telling me, uh, maybe you don't know who's running your HR department. I'm like, oh, damn. Well, that's fascinating. Frightening. Because it seems to me the only thing you do with a gender studies degree is teach gender studies. And there's only so many college jobs out there teaching gender studies. But if you were to ask what do we need, gender studies degrees or do we need mathematical degrees, we need mathematical degrees. And since the people coming to me didn't ask me which degree I would pay for, I'm here to tell you, you could at least have a conversation with me about paying for mathematical degrees, but I'm not paying for any gender studies degrees, no how. I'm not paying for a single one, I refuse. I will not pay for a gender studies degree. I don't care how much debt you have and I don't care how much you can't afford. I don't care if your car is from 1993. I don't care if you rent a broom closet in somebody else's house. That's the way it goes. You got a gender studies degree. I don't want to hear it. If you had consulted with me, if you had checked with me, if you had talked to me, what you would find is I would have given you the quality advice of, yeah, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't get a shouldn't get a gender studies degree. I also would have advised you against a history degree. And I love history. I advise my own children against getting a history degree. It's not because I'm anti history. I'm a huge fan. It's that a history degree gives you a very limited set of options. Yes, law is one of those options. But I think after law, it only allows you some levels of teaching options. Oh, sure, you can utilize as the baseline for other things. But can't you still study history and get a degree in, for example, computer science, and therefore have a large swath of opportunities because of the degree, if we argue the degree matters, and then build out from there. Then you can just go about engaging history, enjoying history, and maybe take other courses of history and, and 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 do it that way. I don't see that as a as as an issue. I think that's solid advice. If you don't like the advice I give my kids, my God, go give your kids your own your own advice. Um, but we both agree no one's getting a gender studies degree. At least I ain't paying for it. I'm not paying for it. You want to get one, you get one. I'm not paying for it. Yet there's Elizabeth Warren, and there's um, Ilhan Omar, and there's Corey Bush. They're all there letting you know without question that you should have your student loans paid off. You shouldn't even have to question it. Oh, and and just because uh, I guess uh, they had to have all the anti-Semites there, Uh, Rashida Tlaib. But know this, you
2: are speaking truth to power, y'all. And there are people in our communities that can't be standing out here in front of the steps of the Supreme Court as they hear the opening statements. But I want you to know you all are standing on their shoulders. Literally, they are watching all this happen and cheering you on. I hope you can hear them. They are cheering you on. I posted a video showing the kids, the young people. You're not kids to me, you are, I know. But young people yesterday in the pouring rain last night, standing in solidarity. And I told them then...
0: Why are they standing in the pouring rain? Why don't they go to work and pay for their student loans? I don't... I swear to you, sometimes it just writes itself, people. That's all there is to it. The comedy just writes its damn self. You're standing in the pouring rain? Go to work. There's a lot of people hiring out there. A crap ton of people hiring. We are all standing with you.
2: And just know this, I've seen things come and go, you know, when folks uh, come in office, come and go. But movement, people don't go nowhere right? They can change hands. They can, this unhinged Supreme Court can make all these decisions, but we're not going anywhere. And we're going to continue to speak that truth.
0: The Supreme Court is unhinged. And what is this? We're not going anywhere. It's Rashida Tlaib. Why are you, why are you, why just, just be thankful. She didn't blame the Jews in that one. Just honestly take your victories cats. And, and that's it. Uh, you took out the loan. You're responsible for the debt. You took out the loan. You're responsible for the debt. And I'm not interested in hearing about your stories. I've got my own stories. I've got my own pressures, my own responsibilities that I have to live up to. I don't, I don't bother you with my stuff, with my, with my crap. Don't bother me with yours. You made this decision. You got that degree. You went to that school. You paid that money. Now pay it back. Simply simply and thusly, now pay it back and leave the rest of us alone with your crazy. If you think the federal government should pay off student loan debt, my God, how diseased you are. What a lesson to teach. Oh, don't worry, government will take care of everything. One more push towards a a government-subsidized society. One more push towards the socialism. One more push away from a decent civil society where people live up to their responsibilities. And you're proud of yourself. You shouldn't be proud of yourself. You should be damn well ashamed of yourself for saying, hey, you, pay for me. I don't feel I get anything out of paying for you. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. What is your contribution? I think The thing to do is say your contribution comes from you living up to your responsibility and not adding debt load to my shoulders or the shoulders of my children. I mean, if we're going to pay off any debt, it should be for nurses. I mean, that's just that's just rational. That seems very rational to me. Guys, we have got much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz.
4: Don't know much about history.
0: So there was a story Don't know much biology. that I'm Don't know much story. I'm having a hard time believing. Don't know much about the French I took, I and the story has to do with President Trump and Jimmy Kimmel. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you guys good uh to uh be here good to be doing this it's a fun gig right here and so the story goes that and, and and you know this part that jimmy kimmel told a lot of jokes about donald trump when he was president when he's not been president jimmy kimmel deciding that it's more interesting to be a leftist than to be a comic i don't mind him making a joke about trump but when it's 24 7 365 and he's lecturing and he's crying and all the rest it's no longer interesting the guy who started with the man show doesn't then get to lecture to me about how to be a decent cat and if we're going to say, "Hey, we don't people hold people responsible for things they did in their younger days," people learn, people grow. I agree with that, and I, I remind me I got to try and get to that story because about Mark Wahlberg, it's pretty important. Just something to remember if you're telling me, "Oh, cut Jimmy Kimmel some slack." Do I also cut the blackface some slack? Just I just I don't know how much slack we have to give. So Kimmel constant jokes about trump some of them uh uh, funny the vast majority of them just like fetish fetish creepy and so there is a question or a a a a a theory um there was a, a report that's it a report that trump so didn't like the jokes that he once reached out to Disney, the parent company of ABC, to complain about it. Trump, in 2018, according to an official, a former official within the Trump administration, telling Rolling Stone that Trump felt the comedian was being very dishonest and doing things that Trump would have once sued over, and so he called Disney to get it to stop. The question before us is... Do you believe it? Do you believe that this is something that Trump did? Do you believe? I do. I believe Trump did it. I believe that Trump absolutely did it. It perfectly fits who he is. It fits his M.O. Trump is a guy who sues. Trump is a guy who tells you that's not nice. Trump doesn't shy away from it. But the point is, why would you? Why would you do it? All you're doing, it's going to get back to Kim. All you're doing is giving him ammunition. All you're doing is giving him ammunition. If I'm president of the United States and Kimmel is getting under my skin, if that could even happen, I don't even say anything. I just walk onto the set of a show one day, sit down and be like, okay, let's do this. I go in with 17 jokes. I take them directly to task. That's where I put it. What else you got for me, kid? It's the way I would handle it. It's the way I handle everything. Come on. Let's get it done. Let's just rip the bandaid off. Is this all you've got? Okay. Here's why you're a scumbag, Jimmy. And then just, let loose, and then leave. You're the President of the United States. Someone's going to stop you? That's my take. That is my take. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about ESG, environmental social governance, and I said I want to dig in. Make sure we understand what this is and how is this playing out politically and how does it play out personally for our lives. Andrew Stutterford joins us next to discuss it. This is Tony Katz Today. The ESG conversation is one that requires attention. And you know anytime I start with that, then I'm going to dig deep. We're, we're going full on heavy into the subject. Tony Katz, guys, good to be with you. Find everything I do, tonykatz.locals.com. This is about whether or not we're having a short-term conversation about a return on investment, or we're having a long-term conversation about what that investment actually does to society. This is the way I take it. ESG stands for Environment Social Governance. What it has played out to be is the idea that we only allow investments in certain companies that follow us on an ideological side, as opposed to does the company, does the investment actually bring a return and bring a value? And what is actually better? Are we talking about something short-term for the person who might be utilizing those investments to get a pension as we see uh, discussions in states like Indiana? Or is this a conversation about long-term damaging effects? Me, I find myself in that latter uh, camp. Let me bring in Andrew Stutterford, And you find his work over at National Review, including what I think is his latest, ESG, More Cracks in the Narrative. You can find that at nationalreview.com. He is an attorney by trade, uh, spending time at both uh, Oxford and in in Brussels, joins us uh, right now. And, Andrew, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I want to get as wonky as we need to get, as focused as we need to get on the subject. Let's start with the basics with the basics what is esg okay
4: uh nice 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 to be on the show Richard. thank you thank you for for having me um the uh what what is esg what 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 that says is the the starting point is that um when you make an investment uh when anyone makes an investment uh, the the fund manager that you hire you know you put your money out to uh, a fidelity or a vanguard or whoever it is um uh, the what you expect is that they are going to invest the money to maximise your investment return um, on a risk-adjusted basis. They're not going to want, you know, you're not going to want them to go rolling the dice. But what their job is for most people is uh, to make you money, and that's what they want. That's what you want these people to be to be doing. What right. ESG, what, what what ESG does is it adds a wrinkle to that. And what, they, what, what it's proponent what they say is well, when you look at what the companies that uh, that, that that you hold uh, or an investor holds on your behalf um, or, or is thinking of buying, that they should not only consider is this going to make money, but they should also see how high it scores against various environmental, social, and governance benchmarks. Um, they argue that this in fact will improve your investment return over time and uh they say the the old line is uh you, you you can do well by doing good um and we could argue forever about whether what they mean by about what they mean by good but the fact is that they don't outperform um but the other fact is is that the fees i mean they can they do at times for periods but there's no rule that's saying that they have to, uh, to, to outperform. In fact, there's a rule pretty much saying the opposite. And because if you have fewer investments to, to choose from because you're ruling things out, probably by definition, you are going to get an inferior return. The other thing is a lot of ESG products, products that are sold specifically on an ESG basis, they strangely enough carry a higher fee. <laughs>
0: So the doing good actually costs more money and doesn't necessarily bring uh, a, a return. That whole do good conversation, I, I'm I'm near famous in my own mind uh, for discussing the fact that do goodery rarely does good. Do goodery is is the veneer is is the is the front that we put on something for something. I, I think rather either macabre or or um violent in, in the background. So yes, I agree with you that what does it mean to do good, uh, is, is a very, very questionable, questionable activity, but is there something really wrong with taking a look at your investment in a company, sir, and saying, uh, well, you know what? Uh, one of the things that I, I want to look at, one of the things that I want to see is how they treat the environment. Is that a bad thing for an investor to look at? No. No, not at
4: all. And there, for, for for many many, I, I worked uh, in, in, after I finished my lawing. I I, I worked in the financial industry for for, for for decades. And the it is it is perfectly common. There's something called socially responsible uh, investing, SRI. It's been around for years and years and years. And um, the and again, we could define. You know, we could argue about what that meant. But for example, it is it is very common for people to say. I, I would like my uh, my investments to uh, be careful about the environment. Or it's very common. I used to have clients that said that they that they don't want to in, invest in uh, companies that uh, make alcohol or cigarettes. And for, for for you know for decades and decades and decades, the investment industry has said, well, we will make products for you if we're not if you're not buying individual shares, but you're buying funds. We will sell you funds which exclude, for the sake of argument, alcohol and cigarettes. And that's absolutely fine. If an investor wants to take an active choice and to say, um, yes, um, I, I really want you to put a priority on the environment, even if that costs some of my return, that's fine. That's free choice. That's what the market should be absolutely about. What is not right is for people, is managing the investments for people who have not chosen that option. And they, they're just saying, putting their money in their 401k, for example, and saying, just give me a high return. And then managing that money, partly including ESG criteria, and claiming that those ESG criteria will make it uh, not only a better world, but a better investment. And when the evidence for that is, to say the least,
0: limited, isn't part of the issue talking to Andrew Stutterford? Uh, you can find his work at nationalreview.com, and you can also find out more about him at his website, Andrew Stutterford, S T U T T A F O R D, Andrew com. Isn't part of the issue, sir, that when they are discussing ESG Well, we only invest based on this ESG criteria, that actually what you get is the forcing of companies to do things they wouldn't normally do because you're keeping money from them on an institutional basis, like from a BlackRock or what have you. And that's being done in conjunction with federal government wants and desires. Yeah, that, that is
4: an extremely important point that that but basically what 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 in, and you know you could uh, you can sing, single out company fund manager institutional investor a, b or c but but what what they are saying, and they're not you know remember these folks they're not they're not saying uh, we're not going to make you any money, but they're just saying that we want th- these things to be taken into consideration and and one of the things that has happened because you have these uh you know these these very large investors is that they will say to a, they will then go to a company and they will say, and remember they are playing with other people's money in most cases. They're not playing with their own money, but they have the weight of all the money that their clients have, 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 have given to them and they go to the co- these companies and directly or indirectly, what they're saying is, well, if you hang on to that for the sake of argument, coal mine, then we're not going to be investing in you. And that pressures the company to, uh, to, to act in ways which it may not, not feel is in the best interests of the, uh, of the company and indeed its shareholders. And when we talk about the word shareholder, we need to be quite careful here because, of course, a lot of these big institutional, uh, investors are, of course, uh, that the funds that they manage are legally the shareholders in the company. But the real shareholders are a level below that. They are the people who've invested in the funds and said to the funds, go make me money. And what they didn't expect is for the funds to go off and start laying down the law to the companies saying, for example, you
0: shouldn't go in coal mine. Right, when that may be the better uh, avenue for, for the company to take. Now, this play has played out, uh, sir, in, in political Uh, sides, Uh right? Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, however you want to see it. In, In my Indiana, my beloved Indiana, this has led to something called House Bill 1008, which, according to the author of the bill, Representative uh, Ethan Manning of a place called Logansport, it's about freedom and fairness in financial markets. And Democrats will argue that this is going to cost uh, pen- people who get a-, a government pension billions of dollars, as it's been reported. Which argument? It, it, which is the argument that should be made for why on a on a statewide level? There shouldn't be this push to investing uh, via these ESG criteria.
4: Well, ba- basically because the um, and and the question is who's uh, when you, when you talk about state funds, the question is you know who who you're investing for the pensioners, but uh, ultimately are you investing for the taxpayers? Because uh, if, if it's a defined um, benefit scheme and it falls short because the investment falls short. Of what, the tax, of what the pensioner has been expecting, he's been promised a of such and such, there's not enough money in the till to pay it, then it's the taxpayer that makes, the, that makes up the difference. And I think that what, the, 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 without commenting specifically on what you're having in, in, in Indiana, is the, the, the basic principle that this is, this is public money, this is other people's money. And one of the things that has, has amused me about the debate in a sort of bitter Mean-spirited way about in, in the debate on ESG is when people, such as the people proposing the legislation in Indiana, started pushing back against ESG and saying, "Hang on, you're you to the, these investment managers. You're hired to make money to, 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 to make money for, uh, for 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 the pensioners, for the for, for the taxpayers, not to go off on a political jaunt." And then everyone, then the, the pro-ESG crowd said well, well, what are you you're bringing politics into an investment decision, and in fact, the reverse is true. What these folks who want to change the the, the rules are saying is let's get politics out of it because ESG is fundamentally a very political thing. Um, if an investment manager thinks that, <clears throat> for example, that investing in a, a wind turbine uh, company, uh is a good thing to do on investment grounds then they should go ahead and do it and i would encourage them to do it absolutely but if their reason for doing so is because of the good it might be doing for the environment that's not a decision for them to take
0: right so uh, this also is getting discussed uh, talking to andrew stutterford you can find his work at nationalreview.com where ron DeSantis, uh, Governor of Florida, potential uh, 2024 presidential uh, candidate. Uh, he's got his book out, The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for American Revival. So uh, it, it sends you in the direction of what he's thinking politically. And he talks about ESG in the book and saying that it's a movement driven by woke corporate CEO bullies. Uh, is is ESG, in your view, um, a way of trying to dismantle capitalism and The American Way in Toto. Goodness. Uh, yeah, well, y- y-
4: yes, and what
0: it is. Um, and, and you said
4: I could get into the weeds. Oh, please um, <laughs> do. Weeds are good. <laughs> so, so, so I'm going to get into the weeds here. No, it, it, it is not an attempt to dismantle capitalism. It is an attempt to rework it. And basically, uh, but I do think it's profoundly anti-democratic. Um, and uh, that, that it is something called, cor- it is an expression of something called corporatism. And what corporatism says is that government regulators, uh, the senior, you know, the, the managers of companies, they get together and they sort of decide in various areas how the country should should be run. and um, And to me, that doesn't sound terribly democratic. If, if, if we want, for example, to say that, um, I'll go back to my coal mine, that we don't want uh, coal mines in the USA, well then, the, the, where that decision should be taken is by the legislature. It is, we, 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 we go to vote and we say no coal, coal mine, if a majority say no coal mines, well, that's what happens. It is not up to a small group of people saying, Uh, which is just a handful of investment managers and some people in the C-suite, probably a few activists and some regulators saying, no, no, every company shall shut down its coal mines. And that, I think, I mean, there's a lot of talk about woke and and I understand why people do it and it is not entirely irrelevant because we do see, uh, and it's a slightly different topic, and we do see corporations now throwing their weight about Um, on issues which would what might be called woke and they shouldn't do it because their job the, the the other side of esg is something called stakeholder capitalism and stakeholder capitalism right right yeah exactly says you're not running the company for the shareholders but you're running it in the greater interests of a rather loosely defined society, which means you can, you can really do anything. That
0: is and again, and that is a, again uh, a, a, to me a conversation of, of a very very aggressive, violent conversation against the concepts of capitalism never mind the citizen, but it's another conversation for uh, another day. Andrew Stutterford I appreciate you taking the time to be with us S-T-U-T-T-A-F-O-R-D you can find his work over at National Review and Andrew Stutterford I appreciate you taking the time to be with us well, thank you very much indeed. I, I greatly enjoyed it. Same here, sir. Same here. I've got more to get to. This is Tony Katz today. I never fear death I only fear I So I love the honesty I out of San Francisco, where they have this committee called the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. And they had already said back in January, we think that qualifying black residents should get $5 million each. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Oh, yeah. Full-on reparations, $5 million. I want to see how it happens. But now the committee chair is saying that the number didn't come from math. It came as the result of a journey. Quote, it was a journey for the committee towards what could represent a significant enough investment in families to put them on this path to economic well-being, growth, and vitality that chattel slavery and all the policies that flowed from it destroyed. And my answer is... Can't wait to see it work. You want me to get worked up about this? you want me to? Nope. I want to see how it works. And if the argument is now going to come up about chattel slavery, I want to know how the reparations payments don't treat the residents of San Francisco like said chattel. This is not for me to get upset about. It It is only for me to ask questions about. That's all I'm doing. Uh, That's it. I just want to know how they answer the questions, and then I want to see them make it happen. Can't wait to see it happen. I don't actually think it's going to happen. I just want to see them try. I'm Tony Katz.